Kia ora, I'm Emile Bonovan, and today on The Detail... A petition calling for a change in the divorce law system will be presented to Parliament later this month. It calls for a change to the mandatory two-year separation period all couples must complete before going forward with divorce proceedings. The laws governing divorce in New Zealand were passed in the early 80s, and there's a renewed push to update them for the 21st century. Most uh, family lawyers are very progressive in terms of how they see this area of law, but it is slow to get the attention of Parliament. Mm. The approach of this petition, particularly highlighting abusive relationships, uh, may well get their attention. Today on the podcast, divorce lawyer Lady Deborah Chambers on the history of divorce law in New Zealand, whether the current rules are still fit for purpose, and why there are calls for change. Marriage is a legal structure, and that is why we have legislation around when you can end it. It's a legal structure that the state supports for a whole series of policy reasons, and it is in place, no doubt previously for religious reasons, but it is a legal contract. And it is a legal contract recognised by the state and enforced by the state. You see, there, there are lots of reasons, policy reasons for marriage to be think. What are some of those reasons? Uh, protection of children would be the key one. Uh, that is that the policy supports uh, mothers and fathers staying together uh, so that the uh, there is a couple supporting children in an environment where... The children are loved and fostered and have the best financial structure available to enable them to grow into members of our community who support uh, and are financially independent themselves. Okay. So is marriage sort of like an incentive for people to stay together for the greater good of the society that we're in? Well, I think certainly historically it has been seen as a clear policy by the state to create families on the base, nuclear families, on the basis that nuclear families were the best for the state because it protected children. Uh, and and to be fair, I think it was also seen as protecting women mm. uh, who were seen as more vulnerable, certainly financially, once they started having children. Now, what we're talking about today is the law around divorce, not property. What happens to property after a marriage is dissolved is dictated by the Property Relationships Act, which is much more complicated than the legislation governing divorce. A couple of years ago, property law was reviewed. The Law Commission wants an overhaul of the rules for dividing up property when a couple splits up. At the moment, the home a couple lives in is uh, usually divided equally on separation. But the Commission says that the world has changed a lot since that law was passed in 1976 and a more nuanced approach is required to keep up with societal change. What has become really apparent to us is that what really is at issue is what property should be divided. But Deborah Chambers says the property aspect of a split is such a sprawling area of the law, any changes there would take a long time and there's little appetite from the higher-ups to engage in this issue. The uh, Law Commission's looked at the law of division of relationship property at the end of a marriage and done a report, and that report got very strong support from lawyers uh, and other groups in this area. 
But unfortunately, again, you can see this kind of kick-off. Parliament wasn't ready to deal with that issue and has sent it back to the Law Commission to look at property where a relationship ends due to death. And so it's all gone back into the slow burner. And we know from the minister that it's, it's not his priority. So you're completely right. Division of property needs reform also. I think most people agree. But I don't think that's going to happen for at least five years. It's going to be very slow. Why? Why is that? No huge votes in it. Complicated. Uh, a lot of um, strong views in the community about it. Very strong views. Different views amongst politicians. It, it just doesn't get a priority from our politicians. Okay, so back to those changes around divorce laws. I asked Deborah Chambers what benefits marriage bestows upon people. Well, um, nowadays, de factos and marrieds are very similar. The only real differences are that you have uh, more of an ability to get into trusts if you are married rather than just de facto. I think you probably, uh, although not in law, but in practice in terms of the judges, I think you have a stronger claim to the estate under the Family Protection Act if it is a marriage rather than a de facto relationship because the court will just assume that the deceased person intended to be in this legal partnership and that makes a difference, whereas some de facto's people just drift in and drift out. The other aspects are really more informal. You're viewed differently by society. I think your your relationship's viewed slightly differently and you're seen as a structure which uh, is compliant, really. Mm. And I think it is fair to say, and this is just my anecdotal view, that probably still most New Zealanders would give more respect and support to a couple who'd got married than a couple who are in a de facto relationship. That won't always be the case, but just talking in generalisations. Sure. So those are the differences between marriage and de facto. What about between sort of marriage and de facto and people who are not in a relationship or who are not in what might be in a de facto relationship? Big differences there. If you're not actually in a de facto or married, but you're a couple, your boyfriend, girlfriend, for example, uh, you don't have a claim under the Property Relationships Act if you are in the relationship and you don't have an, a claim to your uh, boyfriend, girlfriend's estate if they die. So that change in relationship into a committed couple, whether that's de facto or marriage, makes a big difference to legal rights. In the process of doing that is, in the case of de facto, staying together for a certain period of time. In the case of marriage, a marriage ceremony, which is, what is that essentially, if you boil it down, is that a contract? It is a contract, and it's a contract that's recognised in our laws. With de facto's, um, the test is, uh, are, are you a committed couple? And that can be quite hard to prove yeah. because there's so many different versions of the way we live our lives. And some people may not spend uh, seven days a week 
with each other. They may spend some time in their holiday home. They may have jobs in different cities. They may just spend holidays together. So you end up with quite complicated cases about whether or not they're actually a couple, a de facto couple, whether they were in a de facto relationship. Marriage solves that problem Mm. because there's the marriage certificate. So... If marriage is a legal contract, then as with any contract, there is a way of getting out of that contract, which I suppose we would call divorce. Is that the situation? Correct. Okay. What is the process of getting a divorce? How does that work in New Zealand? Now, uh, there is one ground for divorce, uh, and it is officially called dissolution of marriage. It is irreconcilable breakdown of marriage, and that is proved by one thing, and that is living apart for two years. That's it. That's it. And there, there is there is one little proviso I'd put in there. There is in the legislation a provision for the judges to look to make sure that children have been properly provided for, and they theoretically can refuse to grant a, dis- a dissolution if they feel that uh, the children aren't properly provided for. But that's that's really turned out to be a bit of a footnote. Uh, of history. It's not applied often uh, because the um, you, you will understand that the current view of enabling the parties to make their decisions about their lives, the parties to decide when they end their relationship is the dominant philosophy. So uh, you come home early from work on a Wednesday and your significant other is in bed with the gardener. Uh, that doesn't matter. You have to say to them, right, I'm moving out, you have to be apart for two years before you can initiate divorce proceedings. Separation runs from when one party clearly advises the other that the, that the marriage is over. Okay. And sometimes they don't move out immediately out of the house. They might share the house in separate rooms, but that's the legal test. And then you have to wait two years. Two years. Mm. Long time. I think it is too long now. When this legislation came in in 1980, it was considered to be uh, forward-thinking and liberal because we were going away from a system that was a, uh, had a had a component of blame, and it was very tightly controlled when you couldn't couldn't get a divorce, and that was the state trying to bolster marriages. 1980, this this whole new change, one ground for divorce, uh, but it, but there was the two-year separation period. I, I think it's out of date now. I think the world's moved on. The rate of marriages and divorces in New Zealand has fluctuated wildly over the years. The marriage rate is figured out by taking the number of marriages among all eligible people over the age of 16. This peaked in 1975 when there were 45 marriages per 1,000 eligible people. The divorce rate is figured in a similar way. You take all the eligible couples, in this case all the marriages, and say for every 1,000 marriages, how many divorces are there? Using this metric, the divorce rate peaked in 1982 when there were 17 divorces for every 1,000 married couples. There have been peaks and troughs, but in recent years, divorces have held pretty steady. In 2019, the rate was about 8.6, which is about the same as it was in 1979. Marriages, on the other hand, have dropped off a cliff. In 1979, there were 29 marriages for every 1,000 unmarried adults. In 2019, that number was less 
than 10. It's a bit tricky to come up with a single number to say what proportion of marriages end in divorce. But as a rough guide, you've got about a 40% chance of getting divorced before you hit a quarter of a century together. Deborah Chambers has a theory. The way that we're living our lives now is much more likely to be a series of monogamous relationships rather than one that started when you were about 20 and ended at death when you were about 80. Mm. And we know that de facto's move even more quickly through a series of relationships. I don't think there would be many New Zealanders, uh, although we all go down the aisle thinking this is it, this is, this is the person, I'll stay with them forever, of course we do. But there, there would be very few New Zealanders who would say categorically, marriage is forever, I'm never, ever walking away from this marriage. Because life is complicated, people are complicated, and people want a different, the whole, the whole thing's changed. I mean, we, we want much more freedom, we want much more personal autonomy, we're much more conscious of time and making sure we enjoy our lives. It's a very different mentality from the 50s, 60s and 70s in New Zealand. Uh, But for myself, I don't think, oh God, the whole planet's falling to bits. I actually think it's healthier. I think it's better. I I think people are happier. And, and, And in some ways, I feel sorry for people who don't have the courage to say, I'm not happy in my marriage. I want to change my life. Uh, And I think there's a lot of those. I think there's a lot of those. Uh, But a lot of the people I see, the process of uh, separation is painful and difficult, and you must look after your children in that process. There's no doubt about that. But so many of them I see further down the track, three or four or five years later, They've restructured their lives. They're happier. They're with, they may be with someone else that they are in love with. They might generally um, we try and separate in a way that doesn't result in World War Three, and they may well have a good relationship with their former spouse. So I, I think people are happier with this more liberal society. It actually just occurred to me that there is a spike in 1982 in divorces, and perhaps that is the result of this legislation. Actually, I imagine it almost certainly is. Yeah, that's probably right. Because remember, the old process was awful. Well, tell me about that. The old process was in the High Court, uh, so it was formal wigs and gowns. And in order to get a divorce, that the main ground people relied on was adultery. And so you had to give evidence of adultery. Uh, you know, so they used PIs and what they saw and following people around. Absolutely horrendous. Wow, really? <laughs> I laugh, but only because that seems so outrageous. Yes, you know? it does. It seems button-up boots, doesn't it? I didn't really want to admit this to Deborah's face, but I had no idea what the phrase button-up boots meant. Apparently it's like a relic of times past, button-up boots being old-school dress boots worn in Victorian times. Hmm. Who knew? Anyway, there is a petition in New Zealand at the moment that's partially why we're talking by someone named Ashley Jones who is pushing for a change in the divorce laws. Are you familiar with the broad strokes of that petition? Could you describe it? I am. So uh, Ashley is a woman who's been in an abusive relationship and she is saying, well, why on earth do I need to wait two years uh, to uh, to, to end my status of being his wife? 
And so she's suggesting that uh, our the two-year period needs to really be looked at much more carefully, particularly in regard to abusive relationships. Even if you are in an abusive relationship, you still have to wait out that two-year, I guess, cooling-off period? Is, is that the philosophy behind it? That, that, that is correct. You still have to wait the two years, Emile, and... The philosophy behind it was to enable people to have a period of reflection, to make sure the marriage was definitely over. I think, to to be fair, it was also to stop people going straight into another marriage without stopping to think. You know, so if, if, if a person leaves their spouse for another person in the throes of passion of that immediate relationship, they remarry, and that turns out also to fail. Mm. The view was there does need to be some period there to enable objectivity and have a period where you stop and think. Mm. And, I mean, philosophically, is there merit to that, do you think? I mean, if you mentioned before that there are numerous privileges that come with marriage. It's not something that should be entered into lightly, and therefore, I don't know, maybe it's something that should not be exited lightly? Uh, I think that there is a justification for saying that there should be some stand-down period. The justification for that, I think, is there are people and there will be people who enter marriage saying this is forever and the other partner makes a decision, other spouse makes a decision to end it and they will find that incredibly traumatic and hurtful. And if they are able just to whiz off with their new paramour and get married immediately, that, that, you know, that, that, that creates even more conflict particularly if they have children, which brings me to my second point. Where there's children, you want stable relationships where possible. Uh, and, a, and a period of reflection, a period of, well, what went wrong with that marriage? Am I sure that I definitely want to end it? Is this new relationship that I've moved straight into actually working for me? Or was I being rosy-eyed and idealistic about uh, my new partner? So I think... There is still a justification for a period of reflection, but I think two years is too long. I would definitely be in favour of coming into alignment with Australian law and having a 12-month period. Mm. I think it is unfair to make people wait that long because many people take a long time before leaving a marriage and in fact by the time they've announced the marriage is over they're pretty clear about which path they're going down and they may want to get remarried to someone who perhaps they've actually been emotionally involved with for some time and there may be good reasons for why they want to get remarried so I don't think they should be hamstrung for two years. In a piece on the spin-off explaining her petition, Ashley Jones says there are several countries with special provisions for sped-up divorce proceedings when there's evidence of domestic or sexual abuse. In Norway, Jones writes, you can apply for an instant divorce if there's evidence of maltreatment or attempted murder. In Iceland, you can get an immediate divorce if one party is unfaithful or commits sexual violence against the partner or children. And in Canada, marriages can be ended if one party is physically or mentally cruel. And Deborah Chambers says there is scope in New Zealand law for a similar provision here. I can understand that if you've been in an abusive relationship and you finally got out, the last thing you want to do is remain in a married state with that person. 
And I think it's fair. I think it's fair that if you prove that the relationship was abusive, that you should be able to end that legal status much more quickly. Um, so, so I think Ashley's right, uh, and I think she's got a valid point. My only, but my only issue is we just we just need to make sure that people don't claim abuse in order to speed up the process so they can race off with whoever it is they want to marry, Mm. Um, people who are in a hurry to remarry, for example. But they would be rare, and as long as the rules provided for affidavit evidence uh, and the ability to dispute it if the other party wanted to, it seems to me a very common-sense provision and perfectly justified. And I, I don't think those people should have to wait really any time at all once they've got out of the abusive relationship. I mean, what is the point in them reflecting? Mm. What is the point in them reconsidering whether they want to go back into an abusive relationship? The same policy does not apply. We want to encourage people to leave abusive relationships. We don't want them to stay in abusive relationships for their sake or for the sake of any children in the household. Yeah, and certainly not for the sake of the state. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, if the state admitted it, the state would also say it had self-interest in ending in those relationships ending because Indeed. they cost us all. Yeah. They cost time off work, they cost hospitalizations, police time. Um, just looking at it on a purely economic basis, the state should actually have an interest in encouraging people to leave abusive marriages. Ashley Jones has been, I mean, talking about this for quite some time. Her petition. Uh, has been presented and accepted at Parliament. Would it be relatively easy to enact the changes that you think that she's asking for here? I suppose she's. it's only a petition, isn't it? It's not draft legislation or anything like that, so it would have to go through a full process in that sense. They are simple changes, though. I mean, the two years to one year is a change of about one word in the legislation. Yeah. Uh, Ashley's idea that you could also apply to the court uh, and and if you can establish... Uh, that it was an abusive relationship, you can get a uh, dissolution order much earlier. That, that's not major legislative change. Mm. It's pretty straightforward. I, I would have thought that the kind of change she's talking about and that we've been talking about today in terms of the Family Proceedings Act is simple. It could be done quickly. A- and I do hope that the politicians do see Ashley's petition and hear what New Zealanders are saying. Uh, and move on it, because that is, a, that is a small change and shouldn't require a lot of government resources. That's it for today. I'm Emile Donovan. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can download us free to your mobile phone every day on any podcast platform. And if you want to get in touch, email us, thedetail at rnz.co.nz. Alexia Russell produced today's episode, Jeremy Ansell engineered it, and thanks to Lady Deborah Chambers. Matewa. Mm-hmm.